The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for being with us today on Afternoons with Mike. It is always a joy to be with you at this time of the day. And we're on across the Shepherd Radio Network in Orlando, also Gainesville and Ocala and the Villages. And with me today, a new guest, first timer on my program, Manuel Navarro, is part of a company called Depora. And we're going to learn all about that. First of all, Manuel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you here. And you know, you're a, a relatively new uh, member of the chamber as well, the Christian chamber. Yes, yes. I've been very happy in the two weeks that I've become a member, and I'm always actively seeing on the website what's going on, be able to get to know more about it. Well, you know, you're joining at a really exciting time. There's a lot of enthusiasm. You just missed their big expo yes. that happened, uh, and that was a lot of fun, but there will be another one coming up. Correct. I'm wondering why I missed it, honestly, but I, I honestly believe God has a big plan for next year, and this year was I missed it. I saw the pictures, the videos, and I'm just like, wow, what an amazing event that I didn't get to attend. But yeah, everything happens for a reason. It was pretty cool. I loved it. And we were there. Mark Goldstein, who is really the person that made the contact with you, uh, is also, and he was there, part of the chamber. And so, Manuel, you've been in this area for how long? Been living between Kissimmee and Orlando since 2002. Now, Kissimmee... Uh, that is a grown-up area. I just happened to be down there, oh, nice. uh, I think it was two weeks ago, oh, wow. and uh, my goodness, I couldn't believe that thing has grown up down there. It's grown so much. I mean, it's just the the area is growing. You know, we, we grew up in that Kissimmee Middle School area, the airport area. I used to live behind there. That was our first apartment when it came to America. And, uh, you know, we used to see all the airplanes. That airport has grown so much. There's so much <laughs> commerce. Yeah, the YMCA, sure. so many new streets. Yeah. Now, you're kind of settled now in the Lake Nona area, right? Yes, correct. We were grateful enough to buy our home two years ago. And uh, we live right there by Narcosi Street. I think you probably bought at a pretty good time then. We, we did. Yeah. We were very grateful. Certainly uh, at, at a better financing time for mortgages yes, than yes. what it is right now. It was. Yeah, that's great. And that is such a gorgeous area. Again, friends uh, I've had down there, and I love the whole, um, uh, the, the campground down there. Um, my goodness, the name is escaping me right now. What is it? What What is that called? There's a campground over there. I think I sold. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll deal with that later. Yeah, there, there's, it's, um, it's a beautiful area, very heavily involved with the medical community. Yes. But also, now, Depora is not a medical uh, organization. It's a real estate organization. Correct, yes. Having to do with the whole process of mortgaging and credit and all of the things. I mean, buying a house, is, it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's an investment. It's something that empowers business, you know, and owners as well to be able to have their first home. So I'm very grateful to help people achieve that goal. Okay. And so, you know, when we think about what you're doing, we're going to put that on hold just for a second and turn to you yes. and find out a little bit about your background, how you came to know the Lord and you, just where you grew up. You mentioned coming to America. So yes. tell us that story. Where were you born? So I was originally born in Peru. 
and um, grew up in a Catholic home. Just kind of, you know, my parents did the best to be able to get me on the best Catholic school possible. So, you know, we grew up with with all the nuns and everything that we had to have, you know, in, in within the school. So we did came here in 2002. I was uh, nine years old at that moment. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, I, I always recall, and I, I even say back in the days, I was always that kid that wanted to go to church. I was, you know, I was telling my parents, usually the parents were the ones telling their kids, hey, let's, let's go to church. You have to go to church. There was something inside. It was something that I was wanting I wanted to seek the Lord, the Lord yeah. more, you know, and I was in with my parents like, let's go to church, let's go to church, you know, and, and it's not custom to go to church every Sunday, you know, it's, it's more of a of a duty that you have to do. That's what it felt at that moment. Mm-hmm. But you had this burning in your heart, and even though you didn't have at that stage a personal relationship with the Lord is what those that have come to know the understanding of being born again, where you, you come to know Jesus personally, personally and you ask him to come and be in your heart and yes. forgive us of our sins, Lord. And, and all of that, that hadn't happened yet no. uh, in you, but yet that desire, isn't that cool to see how God is knocking on our door when we don't even realize it? It is. It is. I think constantly he's been, you know, saving us from so many things that sometimes we don't even realize. And uh, one thing I can point out from, from church, you know, going from early ages, just the peace that you felt in church, yeah. you know, just being quiet and, and not seeing everybody running around, I think that's one of the main things that I really liked about any type of church that I'm able to welcome myself into. Do you get to go back to Peru ever? I did, I did. I traveled a lot when I was younger. Back then, I had no kids, no wife, so I was, <laughs> I was free spirit, and I was able to go back every year. Okay. I was fortunate enough to really get close to my family and my grandmas. In, so uh, they're still over there. Correct, yeah, everybody. My, my family is over there in Peru. You know, I have a very few family members here in the Orlando area. Okay. Now that uh, makes it difficult for holiday seasons like what we're in right now. But I know that when you're, like you said, at peace and you know you're where you need to be, that really makes a difference in that area, doesn't it? It does. It does. It. You know, but we also have a lot of friends from our from a church that we constantly hang out with. So, yeah, this is my family, you know, within the church. But we also have family that we miss back home and, uh, you know, hoping to go back next year. I love that because the the church has become, in a real way, your family. And that is so important. Now, let's talk about how it was that you went from this uh, young man that loved going to church uh, in the Catholic Church. There was something about it that you you just enjoyed, maybe more so than your other siblings or your other family members. There was something firing you, but something happened where you actually came to a church and actually came to the Lord. So tell us that. Yeah, so there was a period of my life where I was very just dry without direction. You know, I had a opportunity more growing up, you know, at 18 years old, I was able to buy my, my first business. And uh, I you've thought, been an entrepreneur since 18 then. Yes, even before that, but that doesn't really count because it's not on the taxes. But uh, <laughs> I've always had that spirit to be able to seek more and more. But I thought that I was always seeking more for my personal growth, for my mm-hmm. personal uh, being and not for, you know, glorifying anything by myself. So I was always empty. You know, we had early age. I had a lot of things that the average 18, 20 year old doesn't have, you know, cars, you know, mm-hmm. apartments. You know, I was I felt like I was complete. But at the end, honestly, I was I was more empty than than ever. And um, it was just a, tr- a time where, you know, you kind of think because you think that you made it. You know, you made it. You had a, a good business and you had a pretty good life, but you were emptying the inside. And that's really a big testimony for me because. I was empty. I had, you know, no friends. I was, you know, I was being used 
by different people to be able to to get their way because I had the financial to be able to do that. But, um, you know, I just felt kind of the lowest. I was really pretty much just done. I had no direction. I had nothing. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know the power of the relationship that he wanted to have with me every single day. I didn't know how much he loved me. You know, everybody knows God loves everybody, but I, I didn't know how much he truly wanted yeah, the yeah. best for me. It's so great to come to that difference of understanding where you know something that, yeah, I know God is supposed to be a God of love, but then you feel that love from God makes all the difference in the world. It does. It does. And just kind of when I was in that empty, I, I remember one day I just told God, like, save me. I want to give my life to you. I didn't even know what that meant, to be honest. I just knew that the only person that could save me at that point in my life was God. Now, in um, your written testimony on yeah. that, I want to jump in here, and uh, you mentioned something about coming to that church and something about the music, something about the worship that just set you on fire, just made you want to come back. So talk about that for a moment. Correct. Yeah, so there was a new uh, new church starting in, in Winter Park, and uh, I was just invited through those mailing lists, but I really wanted to do something different all my life. And one way or another, I knew that God was going to do that difference. So I went to that church and uh, just kind of randomly, I never been to a Christian church before. I had no idea what denominational it was. I just knew that that's God where he wanted me to be. And on my way over there, it was really far. It was about 45 minutes. And, you know, that's yeah, from Kissimmee, that's a haul. Correct. This is say people don't go farther than 15, 20 minutes to a church. I mean, yeah. we study these numbers at church and we know that, you know, 45 minutes is a long time to be on the I-4 through traffic. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I remember it was, you know, I really was felt led to that church. I was really, the power of the Holy Spirit was just something that, it, there's no way to describe it. It was just like blank, nothing mattered, the surrounding of you. It just matters. Go to the house of the Lord. And and I've heard testimonies of people now that I get to experience it. But back then it was my own testimony. So when you came to the Lord and you prayed, and ask the Lord to become a Christian and a believer in Jesus and asking for him to forgive you of your sins. What were some of the um, initial changes in your life that you remember? Yeah. So, I mean, once I got there, like I said, on my original testimony, you know, we enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the, the, the word. It was such a positive feeling thing. And I felt that I was learning. And that's one thing that I was wanting mm. to do in life. Just keep learning what the pastor said. You know, it was just learning to me. He was talking about, glorifying God among yourself. And, you know, that day they did an altar call and they said, if you want to accept Jesus in your heart, if you want a new life, raise your hand. You know, I didn't know what that altar call was back then. Now I know it's called an altar call, but back then it was, I was just felt like yeah. they're doing an interview and they're like, who, who wants this? Who wants a new life? And I raised my hand and I remember I started kind of just shaking. I didn't know I was shaking because I was nervous. I didn't know that I was being empowered by the Holy Spirit was coming upon me. I didn't oh, know that. Man, I thought awesome. I was just shaking because i was scared but i was right. really just getting the holy spirit filled in me and i didn't want to go to the front and i remember you know there was brothers from from the church that were like telling me like this is the best decision you're gonna make in your life and that body of christ was tangible there mm -hmm. and they brought me to the front and i remember the pastor prayed for me i never had somebody pray for me before i didn't know what this was about but it felt such a peace it felt that you know god was going to renew my life through that calling, mm -hmm. because he said this calling is for the brave, and I'm like, well, I am a brave person, but you know, this is this is bigger than me, so yeah. it's a little scared. Yeah. But I remember that moment they brought me to the front, um, and to answer that question, you know, one of the main things 
once I accepted the Lord, you know, I started serving. I remember that church, we used to get up there 6 a.m. in the morning. I was the first one there. I was just so motivated. Wow. And, um, you know, I was one of the first ones. And, and I'm, I'm this again, 45 minutes from my house. So you're up at 5 on your way into church service to get there at 6 a.m. Yes, and I've always liked helping out throughout my life. And that was something that impacted me. Um, I can see right now pastors driving down I-4 looking for an exit so they can exit <laughs> off and try to figure this one out. <laughs> How did that yeah. happen? No, yeah. And uh, honestly, there was a, a spiritual battle, you know, from that day I accepted the Lord. Uh, one of the main things they, they kind of brought up to me is about getting baptized. And obviously, being from a Catholic background, you know, I thought I already got baptized, mm -hmm. but they explained to me why in fundamentals and through the scriptures not a believer's that, baptism you were baptized you were correct. immersed in water correct well i didn't get to that point i didn't i was not able to do it um so it was a lot of spiritual things going on at that moment like a lot of within battles mm -hmm. um you know just same as jesus when he got baptized there was so many struggles but i didn't get to get baptized i actually had a, a big car accident uh probably two days before my baptism and um you know i i it's another whole story but it was a really bad accident and i was not able to really Keep focusing yeah, on my on my okay. walk with the Lord because I was in bed for four months. I couldn't get out of room. So, wow. Um, you know, I was not able to do that that calling, but I knew that God had, and He was still working when I was in bed for those four mm -hmm. months through me. Wow, that's a bad accident then. Yes, it was. Yeah. So, were you close to death at any point? I was. I was. I was. The car exploded probably about five seconds after they took me out of there, and um, you know, I was in the I four. And one of the biggest things I could say about that accident is there was uh, people helping me get out the car because my head was broken. And there was some people from the army. They were off duty. And the car was on fire. And and I remember this clear because I was on fire. I couldn't get out. So I was screaming. And all of a sudden, I see two guys off duty with their army uniform just trying to get me out of there. Wow. And honestly, I've always respected our army. But that day, it was yeah. just. Yeah, sure. It was like, wow. And the last thing about that, you know, they took me out of the car. They put me in the floor. The car exploded. And um, the guy, I remember, never forget his word. He said, you don't have to worry about that car payment anymore. <laughs> that thing's gone. <laughs> and honestly, uh, I you know, passed out. And what I love about these guys, they wanted no recognition. They wanted no TV, nothing. They just wow. wanted to save the life. And they took off on their, on their way. My goodness, that is quite a story. It is. Yeah, I'm glad you survived, my friend. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah, that's was, uh, great. A new stage of my life. What were your family members thinking about you, those in Peru or even those that you do have in the States, when you make this this big dedication to the Lord and you're serious about it, you're showing up at 6 a.m., mm -hmm. what were their thoughts? Well, you know, I have a, my grandma, she passed away at 103 years old. She had 11 kids. And uh, I'm the my last... goodness. I'm the last grandchildren of 35, 40 grandchildren. I'm the last one of all of them. And not all of them serve the Lord, but me. And I'm happy to say that because I think that God leaves a legacy for me to be able to get my family to serve the Lord the same way I am. And it starts one by one. Obviously, I have a lot of cousins, but mm -hmm. it's a big family. But I know that, you know, there's a purpose behind that. That's wonderful. Manuel Navarro is my guest, and we're going to be talking more about it. But again, you're a business owner of something called Depora. Give us the, the heads up about that and then the, the email or a website address that you can give out. And then we'll talk more about that next segment. But go ahead and share that with us. Yeah, so Depora, um, it's a real estate group. And our website is theporahometeam.com, uh, theporahometeam.com. And that is spelled... 
D-A-P-O-R-A. Correct. Depora. Yes, yes. All right. So Depora Home Team. How did you come up with that name? Um, Depora has always been a name that I've always used for different types of businesses that I've done. Uh, that was my first business when I when I started. It was something in a different industry. But that name is always meant for me. Empowerment is always meant new opportunities. It's always meant getting things done. Mm. And I've always, you know, been a hard worker all my life. And I will continue to to do it. So I wanted to create a team that will be reflecting all that I've built throughout the years. That's great. Depora Home Team. And my guest's name is Manuel Navarro. And we're going to be back with him in a moment with our next segment. So don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. With me today is Manuel Navarro from Depora Home Team. You know, we were talking in segment one, and I had that uh, just that brain lock it was Moss Park, that uh, the Lake Nona area that I took my family down, went camping down there. Man, you live in a beautiful area down there by the airport. Yes. Again, it's growing up. It's it's uh, super busy down there. Eight minutes from the airport. Eight, eight minutes. Eight, eight, oh, could call me and I'll be there eat your heart minutes. out, everybody else. <laughs> those of us that drive over thirty minutes to get there, and you mentioned the the mess of I four. So you get to uh, visit I four. As, as what everybody else does in it does, Central it does. Florida. Thank you for the Express. And the Express does add a lot of value in the mornings. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know that area too. 417 is helpful for those that go yes. to the east side of Orlando. Although it's a toll road, it's uh, worth it. Yes, it is. <laughs> you can save a lot of time you on can that. can buy time. So what does Depora do? Tell us about that. Yeah, so Depora is a, is a real estate group. Um, right now, we work together with my wife. We always have unique skills so we always like to work in teams she's the smart one i will always say that she's a lawyer um uh-huh. she graduated a lawyer from law school in venezuela and so she does a lot so of, she's not from peru she's from venezuela yes, she's from venezuela how, you, i gotta ask this how did you meet her <laughs> so we met through a business that i had and uh she was just here for after graduating she uh came here for vacation and uh that's the, the transition time that i had with god and and man, God is good. He he gave me a wife within one month of accepting him in my heart. I'm like, <laughs> telling you, I tell some people like this is no joke. God is good. God wants you to be happy. He's gonna give you everything that you want in your heart. Wow. So you met her in in within a month of accepting the Lord. Yes. How long then before you got married to her? Um, it's probably about um about a year. It was uh-huh. pretty pretty quick. Honestly, I I, yeah. I knew that she was the one that God put in my life. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Uh, I made a, a jump on it really quick. Now, was she a believer before you? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And even when I met her, I didn't know she was a believer. It was just something that happened and everything felt right where, where it needed to be. And it was very, very nice being with her since the beginning. So I, uh, you know, I hope all of the uh, young people are listening to this and are very encouraged. All right. So you want to know the path. There are two paths that you need to do. You need to become a believer. That's it. And then number two, it doesn't hurt to be an entrepreneur. Okay, (laughs) those are two things that I'm learning from my friend Manuel Navarro today. Okay, let's go back to Depora. So you guys put this business plan together. And what makes what you do uh, so helpful to people? Yeah, so one of the main things that got me to really get into real estate was when we bought our first home, it was not a good experience. It It was a headache. 
it was, you know, the person that was helping us at that moment limit us from different options because obviously a lot of the realtors want to be able to get the one home showed to you and you want to make you sign right there. And that kind of opened us to be able to have an, another realtor because we were just not happy to be pushed something that we were not 100%, uh, you know, confirmed that this is what God wanted for us. I mean, we wanted God's timing, but we also wanted to do our part to be able to look for different homes, different areas. Like, I didn't know if God wanted me 30 minutes away from where my current area is. So that's one of the reasons that we started a uh, real estate group, because we really wanted to give an, a new experience to the people that we can connect with. Because mm -hmm. this is more about connecting people. This is more about helping people going from point zero, you know, to the end of the, of the home purchasing. So it's a process that we want to be able to value. Uh, first time, first time homeowners have no idea how to buy homes. The average, and it's really owner. in a real way, it's more difficult right now to do that than it has been in a long time. Correct. So things need to add up. It's not as easy as it was two years ago. Right. People need to be able to get everything aligned. So our job is to be able to make sure that they're financially stable for them to be able to purchase a home. They now, might, two years ago, things were really escalating value wise, and and uh, the cost of homes were really. Uh, bubbling upward uh, yeah. two years ago, but the cost of a mortgage two years ago was at a record low. Yes, correct. And interest rates, I mean, they reached the 2.65, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that was really low. That's one of our other testimonies when we were able to close our home on 2.35% APR. <laughs> and, you know. Well, I have 2.75 and I felt good <laughs> until just right now. Okay. But pray, <laughs> praise God for that. He, he was the right moment right before we yeah, closed right. the year. Yeah. So this whole thing about uh, kids that are coming up, young people getting married, wanting to have a family, wanting to have their first home, is it still doable? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be able to, people always ask us, when's the best time for me to buy a home? You know, a lot of times we rely on the current economy to tell us, obviously the economy is going to have an impact on what, how much power we have for, for purchasing. But the best time for you to be prepared for, to buy a home is when you're ready if you have a good job, if you have your taxes, if you have good credit score, we've had people wait, you know, a few months and then maybe somebody got sick in the family, something happened and they lost a job and they were not able to purchase their home because they kept waiting. This is an investment for the long run. You know, paying rent is not empowering you or your family. So we strongly believe that the best time to buy a home is when you are ready because the economy could be great and you can for buying a home. But if you're not ready, doesn't right. make sense for you to buy a home when you don't have a job that you're stable in for more than two years. That's right. And you, you mentioned this about renting. You know, for a long time, a, a lot of people thought that was the safest thing to do. But I know a lot of renters right now who have been forced out because the the people that owned their home that they were renting or the apartment building that they were a part of, uh, they decided to sell. And the new owners were raising the rates so much. Yeah. And so you're really kind of at a point right there where you can't ever really be guaranteed that your rent is locked in. Correct. And I think for a family, honestly, the most important thing that you can provide as a family uh, head household, for my case, for example, is for them to provide my kids and my wife a home. Mm -hmm. So I can't live on the stability of where my kids are going to grow up and change schools every every so many years because I'm keep renting. So buying a, a, a real estate property is going to bring you that benefit that you can rely on having security, which for me is number one since I got married. I wanted to make sure that my wife and my kids had a secure place to grow up in. 
which is something that we could afford as well because we want to be able to get our clients to get a home that they could afford. Right. You know, we all want to live in Lake Nona. We all want to live in Windermere, but you need to start where God wants to put you. And, you know, even if we don't work with clients that don't believe in God, we use our principles and we believe that we know that what God wants you to be is really where you should start. You know, if your expectation is to be able to get into a better, bigger house within the next five years, then start planning and working yourself out to get to that home. Now, you just touched on my next question was, uh, when I was a young guy, five years was kind of like the expected amount of time that a person would be in a home before they look to maybe move to the next level, uh, go a step up, maybe in how nice the house was or how many bedrooms it had and so forth. What part of town? We know that in real estate, location, location, mm -hmm. location. Yes. The top re three reasons to be buying a home. Location. So, you know, when you think about that, do you see in this day and age that same concept of being able to uh, jump up, if you will, in steps? Do you see that being a possibility? Yeah, I think uh, families continue growing. I think that uh, a young family that's starting out with their first, you know, their first daughter or son, they can get a smaller home. Single family homes are meant for you to be able to start off. You have to look at that as an investment for the future, something that will bring equity for when you're ready to buy that home of your dreams. Mm -hmm. We all have big goals. You know, God is a God that wants you to have big goals, big dreams. He's the God of the impossible. Wow. So we want to make sure that if you want that house, that, that first home is going to bring equity. And if you keep moving towards that direction, your finances are going to grow. You will be able to afford that dream house pretty soon. Okay. Now, what are the first things that a person or a family, they need to know and they need to do to get ready to enter into that first home? What do they need to be preparing for? Yeah. So one of the main things we look is, you know, for our first ability in their job, we want to make sure that they have their, you know, their, their W-2s for them to have at least a year. Uh, we also make sure that the credit's based on FHA, for, uh, 620, 640, based on that loan. Those are the two most important things that they do. And also for them to be able to have money for the down payment. If you don't have two months worth of savings, it's really hard for you to be able to get yourself into something that in the future you may need. So we also encourage if you don't have at least 5% of the home's value as a savings. 5%? Yes, 5%. Okay. 3.5 for an FHA, but that 1.5% is for your closing costs or maybe just as a savings. If you're buying a, a new home, maybe you have some closing costs associated. You may not need all that, but you always want to be able to have savings. So like a $200,000 home, you would recommend that they have a down payment of at least ten. Correct. 10,000. Correct. At least you'll be able to have that 3.5 and the other one, have it on your savings account because mm -hmm. you don't know if you're going to need it to buy down rates, if you're going to need it maybe towards the closing cost, but you always need to be able to have at least a 5% to know that you're on the safe route. Now you mentioned another thing that is a big stopper to a lot of people. And I don't think many ever think about how important a credit score is really going to be when they start to buy a home or maybe until they start to buy a home. Then they find out, or, or, you know, you buy a home, you buy a car, that credit score becomes really an important asset at that point. What is the number one mistake you think, Manuel, that people make with regards to credit scores? Um, lack of knowledge, honestly. I think that most people at 18 years old, we can get a credit card, but we have no idea how to use it. Uh, we don't have any formal training even our schools to teach young kids how to use credit and, I, and I've heard this in the past but now honestly I'm seeing it more because I do get a lot of clients that are ready they have all the finances they check on on the job they have stability but they never knew how to manage the credit 
they didn't know that a collections in you know a collection account is affecting negative their credit score. They, you know, people don't know how to educate themselves on credit. So that's one of the things that for 2023 for us as a team is for able to empower people to get understanding. I don't know why, but God put it as a personal mission for me to educate people. It started with a few fellows in our church. So you start with this thing about in, in I guess, informing people about this most important aspect. And so one of the first things I know that they could start doing is making sure, number one, that they make any payments that they do have already. Maybe they shouldn't have, but they have them and they're there. So you got to pay for those payments on time with regularity, right? Correct. Yes. They, they also recommend if you're able to put automatic payments for your minimum balance every month, you don't have to worry about missing a payment. You can apply more and you want to make sure you have a list of when your payments are due. We have technology. We have things that we can remind ourselves. We have to be intentional in knowing these things. We don't yeah. want to be able to fall behind because you can build so much credit, but one mistake could really put you back 12 steps. Yeah, but that and it can happen, like you said, so easily. One little mistake, a mispayment or a late payment. It, it, after a while, if you have a couple of those, it really starts to knock down that credit score. Right. And when they get in, down into certain areas, then that becomes a real uh, a problem for qualifying for a loan. What is the minimal credit score that a person should aim to have if they're going to buy a house? 640 to be safe. 640. Yes, if we're at 620, we have to go to different banks that might have higher interest rates. But at 640, you're good to go for an FHA. Okay, for an FHA loan. Correct. What about a conventional loan? A conventional is about 680 right now. 680. Yes. Right. So people, uh, how can people find their credit score if they don't know what it is? So once a year, you can go to uh, freecreditreport.com, I believe, or, or freecreditreport.org, I think it's called. Uh, I just pull up for Freecreditreport.org. Yes. There's a few places on Google that you can look up. You can print out. You can get a free credit report once a year, and you can see where you're at if you have anything. Because a lot of times, I know that uh, there's a big statistics on people getting things wrong on their credit. Things that are not belong to them, credit identity theft, those are things that are real. You know, we had an instance, we've had a couple of weird things in our lifetime. One of them was someone stole our identity and we're charging things. And that was a mess. Let me tell you, that, was a, that was a problem. Uh, but there was another time when we were going to be purchasing a home and we realized that they had put my father's, some of my father's bank accounts were, were on my credit wow. report. And wow. so because we both had the same first name, James. Mm. So I, I guess that's a common problem that can happen. So that is a real good advantage to reading that credit report and finding out, like you said, right. is everything there that it should be there uh, for that report to be accurate, right? Correct. Correct. We also have to be able to make sure we get this in the credit report uh, agency that we can be able to get this credit repair checked. There's uh, different ways to be able to get your credit where it needs to be. We just have to know. We have to really meet one-on-one to be able to know where you need to hide and see where, who we can recommend you to in order to start preparing you for that purchase of a home. So you've mentioned several things that I just want to recap. Number one, buying a home. It's best to be buying that home when you're ready to buy it, number one. Yes. Number two, you have to have at least a couple of months of the payment in, in kind of savings. With regard to down payment, it's good to have 5% of that uh, home value. So just take whatever it is and think 5%. Uh, that's 
Uh, okay, and I've just been given Mark uh, Goldstein is just handing me the report. It's freecreditreport.com. That's the place where people can find out which was the next thing on my list, freecreditreport.com. Thank you, Mark. All right, so uh, basically the fourth, the last thing is, is this thing about uh, making sure that your credit report is in good health. And many people will find, if they do look at it, that it's not in good health. Sometimes not because of their fault. Correct. Yeah, there's also apps like Credit Karma. Those type of apps, they do provide access. Don't worry too much about that credit score because it's not accurate, but it will give you at least when you open a new account mm -hmm. or you made a dispute. Even when you go into a car dealership, if you're applying for a loan, they tell you they're going to apply for one or two banks. They're really applying for five banks to see who gives you the best rates. They don't want you to walk out of there without the car, so they go to do everything in their power to get you applied. And you can see all those notifications come in. You know, this bank disputed. This bank is uh, asking for an inquiry. This mm -hmm. bank is, the other bank is in inquiring about your credit report. So you'll be able to monitor those things. You're in control when you take action. Well, I tell you what, you get to be part of what is a happy day for a lot of people yes. when they can find that home and everything is right and they get to move into that place. They're handed the keys. That's a happy feeling, isn't it? It is. It's the biggest feeling that I, I don't, I don't remember, aside from my daughter's being born, that was a happy feeling, knowing yeah. that I'm not paying any more rent, knowing that I am bringing stability to my family. So tell us how people can get in touch with you. Yes. So uh, they could follow us on Instagram or Facebook uh, with the Pora Home Team. We're very active on our social medias. We're always trying to give out different tips. Uh, they could also contact me directly if they need anything at 407-240-2020. And Depora's website was? DeporaHomeTeam.com. Depora Home Team, and spell that Depora one more That's time. D-A-P-O-R-A. DeporaHomeTeam.com. Manuel Navarro, it's been a delight to have you up here. You've got to have you back sometime, my Thank friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and the space that you've given me. You've got it. And uh, best wishes to your company and to your uh, family as well, and both here and there in Thank Peru. So, so that's awesome. Friends, we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Back with me in the studio for segment three is my old friend, my compadre, our big part of the shepherd, Mark Goldstein. Welcome back, my friend. It's great to be back, Mike. You know, we've we've seen a lot of things happen this last week. A lot of crazy things going on with with life, and you know, our country is. Uh, we just never have a slow news day in this country anymore. It doesn't Not appear. At all. Yeah. You know, there's so many things going on that are called into let's say question, called into question. I think that's a nice way, nice little uh, easy way to say some of the stuff that's going on. But, you know, Mark, as we come to this kind of the end of my program for this day, this Thursday, I was thinking about the word integrity mm -hmm. and the role it plays and the role it is supposed to play in our life. I mean, you know, we know that we are called by God uh, to be people who live by 
his word. I mean, that's yeah. the number one call in our life yeah. is to honor God and to honor his word. And we know that as humans, those of us that are believers, we do our best at that, although albeit not perfectly, mm. but we are still called to have that as a mark. Absolutely. And I think in our country, wouldn't you agree with this? I think in our country, that value is somewhat right now missing. It's in a lot of areas, not everywhere, certainly not everywhere, but in a lot of areas, it's not as honored to be a person of what would be biblical integrity. It's not honored. I don't, I don't think that's a value that in secular society really means anything anymore. I agree. You know, when we see the things that are coming out, uh, there, there are a lot of things about the word justice that we hear uh, and then you add uh, two other little words that kind of um, are like adjectives in this in this little scenario, the Department of Justice. <laughs> and the things that are coming out of a lot of what uh, are being said and maybe being done, and in some cases not being done, uh, that come from our Department of Justice, it makes me wonder at times, what happened to that value of integrity in the way that our government operates? And there seems to be plenty of people who would feel that uh, we are seeing a time right now, maybe in our lifetime, an all-time low of integrity in some of our governmental positions. I think integrity comes back to people's character. You know, yep. the, the integrity comes out based on what their foundation is. And I think over the last few decades, we've seen a slip in character. Yeah. In 1973, when Roe versus Wade, human life didn't mean anything anymore. I think that's where the slope started mm -hmm. on losing integrity. I agree completely. And when you think about that, uh, the redefining of, uh, of what even people believe is the, what should be right is really lacking integrity in this world today. Because we say on one hand... That every every life has, you know, you, you know, we hear the fr uh, the phrase "Black Lives Matter," and then, mm -hmm. uh, d but then I would just say, do they? To a lot of people, no. I, I'm not even sure to that organization. Every Black Life Matters because right. they are. How can you say that when the the abortion that you bring up from Roe v. Wade forward? you know, almost 50 years of abortion going on with a federal approval right. via, uh, via that uh, horrible ruling, which I might add, our Supreme Court justices this year, when on June 24th, when that was overturned, they made the declaration. They didn't just overturn it, but they called that a, a, a law or a, a judgment that should never have been made. Now I have mm -hmm. to retract the word law because that was never a law. Right. It was just a ruling and it was one that was wrong from the get go. It is. And so that ruling lacked the sound integrity. And what's interesting, it, we have somebody on the show. He's, he's a regular guest uh, on, on this show here. Uh, definitely a friend of central Florida's art alley. Mm -hmm. Art alley is He's very strong, and he, he has strong opinions. He has strong values. Uh, for him, a lot of things are just black and white. And But the one thing about art you can never, ever question 
is his integrity. Mm-hmm. I agree. You may not agree with his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe uh, theology, is that what you're talking about, or his practical uh, views on things? Well, yeah, or his conclusions okay. on, on certain things. We may differ a little bit, but one thing is you can never, ever question his sincerity, his motives, because we know it comes from a pure heart. Yeah, he's a That's great guy. integrity. Yeah, he's a great guy, no question about it. But I was thinking about this term today because of the fact that we are called by God. I, I love the old song uh, that puts that thought into um, lyric, and it's from Stephen Curtis Chapman, my all-time favorite mm-hmm. Christian artist. And it's uh, Got to Be True was the name of the mm-hmm. song. And he has in here what I think is a good working practical definition of integrity in the life of of a believer. He said, you've got to be true when nobody but Jesus is watching you. Mm. I think that's really a great mark and a great level uh, to kind of use as a meter in our own lives. You know, it's one thing to say, I believe this or that, Uh but it's another thing to put that into practice when nobody's watching. I've heard it also said, who are you when nobody's looking? That's the same thing. Exactly. Exactly right. And here's what, here's the answer to that question. We are who we are when no one is watching. That that is Mm. kind of the bottom line. I mean, we're, we're kind of like the sum total of how we live when nobody but Jesus is watching us. And now that thankfully, thankfully, (laughs) we got to add this in there too. Thankfully that we are people, if you're a believer, that's a true believer. We know that even true believers lack, you know, perfection. We don't have perfection, which another way of saying we're not perfectly uh, full of integrity in every area all the time. We're not, but we have the the wonderful advantage of being a believer and our sins have been forgiven, washed away by the blood of the lamb who is full of perfect integrity. What's I think what, what's a little scary or a little intimidating is that we are human and we slip and we can slip. And the thing is we don't want to slip, but sometimes it does a great example. You and I and a friend of ours went out to lunch and on the way back to the station here, oh yeah, a car pulled out and did a very stupid thing. And me, in my humanity, <laughs> I yelled at the windshield. Yeah. And th- a couple of days later, we were sitting and talking. He said, listen, I got to share something with you. And you were right, because had I done that around nominal believers or non-believers, and they saw my shirt and they, saw, and they heard that it was, it, it would have really hurt my integrity. It, it, and I appreciate your humility in sharing that because you're exposing something that happened just in that car with us. And I, I appreciate that. But I want you to know, I can't tell you how many times we have a little sticker on the back of our car that has our church name on it. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times that I have wanted to yell out at a person <laughs> through the window. And then... 
as I catch myself and realize that the moment I pass by, there's my church right there. And you know what? That, that That's a good external kind of like, almost like a clamp on our mind and our heart and, and most importantly, our mouth. <laughs> because our mouth, what comes out of our mouth, man, that's that's what defiles us right there. It's It's that stuff. It's what proceeds out that we are really wanting to be careful. And I think yeah. it's important. You, you and I were talking, what kind of got us in on this is earlier in the day, you and I were talking about Job mm-hmm. and his story. You had some great thoughts about Job. Why don't you share those? Well, Job was allowed to do anything, or Satan was allowed to do anything to Job other than take his life. That's a scary thought right there. I mean, the things he brought yeah. in, yeah. And Satan stripped him of everything. He didn't take his life, but he stripped him of everything except one thing. He couldn't take his integrity. Mm-hmm. Job maintained his integrity. In fact, God never questioned that either. Nobody in question Job's integrity. Job's wife said, hey, just curse God and die. Yeah. But he Th- maintained. Thank you, hon. <laughs> but it was, yes, it was his integrity. Yeah. And then pulled the, him the- through. The friends who were were not all that great of a counselor for him. They were questioning his yeah. integrity. Yeah. And he had to fight, you know, he had to fight them. He had to fight his his wife in a little, a little of the areas here. And, and then he had to fight against the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that I've learned in my life, Mark. I've learned that we can't stop every bad thing from happening to us in our life. I mean, I if we could, we would we would probably work really hard to kind of live a trouble free life and a, sure. a problem free life. We we just can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And I love that um, expression in the Bible that talks about how the rain falls. And in, in this context, rain is not always looked at as a blessing. In a lot of areas, it really is. It's a blessing of God. The rains are, but in a real in a real way, the storms of life. Let's use that as an analogy happens to the just and the unjust, yes. those that have integrity and those whose lives would not be marked by it. Well, let's face it. The only time integrity shines is during challenges. Yep. So if we are challengeless, how can we be salt and light? How can we reflect Christ? So we need, we need that. What do they say about oysters? Yeah. The, the reason, you, the way you get a pearl is because there's irritation. Right. So life does that. It does. You know, I had a wonderful chat that you actually set up and with Dr. James Ferguson, and he's going to be on the program tomorrow. Mm. So we recorded that segment today. Later this month, he's going to be in Orlando yeah. and will be up here. And I just can't wait to have him here. What a man he's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm. And he is one of the more educated people. He got his degree as an attorney, mm-hmm. his JD, and he was practicing in family law. Now, when you know, if you know anything about uh, attorneys who are practicing family law, that means he got to deal with a lot of divorces. Yeah. And he told a story without taking too much uh, of uh, the wind out of my interview with him that will be coming up tomorrow. But he told a story of of a divorce that that he was you know helping them get, and he didn't he never liked it, but 
people do get divorced. And mm-hmm. so he was trying to help them, trying to help them navigate what should be done in the process with this couple who was having a divorce. Mm. They had a teenage daughter who was so upset that her parents were divorcing that she committed suicide. Oh my. And it devastated him so much that he came down to the point where he could not practice law any longer. Mm. It was so, and he knew that that of, of whatever it was that God had called him to do, it couldn't be that anymore. He right. lost all faith for law. And you know, th- as horrible as that scenario was, uh, God used that in his life yes. to birth a new plan, which mm-hmm. we'll be talking to him about, and he'll share what that new plan was. Sometimes the most awful things that happen to us in our lives, out of some, out of that can come something good. Yeah. But the, the key is throughout every good day and bad day. I love Jerry Bridges. I quote his book often, The Disciplines of Grace, because he talks about we all live in what are called good day and bad day scenarios. And there are days, Mark, and you've had them. I've had them. It just feels like we're on top of the world and everything's going by smoothly and uh, uh, every technical aspect works fine. And then we have other days. It's just like, what in the world happened? Did I sleep (laughs) wrong on... Was I, was I laying on the wrong side of my brain or what was going on here? Because nothing goes right. Those days are going to come. Rain's going to fall on the just and on the unjust. But the key is, are we living our lives for the glory of God, aiming to have his integrity when no one but Jesus is looking? And do things happen in our lives to direct us to be in that sweet spot? Yeah doing what God has wanted us to do. Um, for the last, gosh, I don't know how many years, since 2009, being the president of the chamber, you know, just loving that, now working with the shepherd and, and, and other things. I'm just living the life. I mean, I'm just, I'm counting my blessings. I'm thanking God every day. The reason I can do that is in 2008, I lost a quarter of a million dollars in a business deal. Oh my goodness. Had I not lost that, the track would have never happened. I would have never stepped in to the Christian chamber that at the time should have gone bankrupt. I mean, it was, it was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. But, and had everything been going well the other way, once that was offered, suggested, I would have laughed. Mm-hmm. Now I thank God that all that negative happened to bring me where I'm, and I wouldn't change a thing. That 250000 I don't care mm. because God has rewarded me so much more since then. Friends, I hope this helps you, encourages you to realize that it's important to be true to God when nobody but Jesus is watching you. Mark, thank you for being with me in this segment, my friend. Friends, we'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.